One. Two. Three. Four. Five. Six. Seven. Eight. Cool. Nine. No. Ten. No. <laughs> you both Eleven. You Wait, no, that's wrong. Eighteen. I'm vetoing this. Seventy-three. guys welcome back to the off artist podcast official podcast of digital and creative media works where each week we take some from pop culture and try to break it down to better understand it my name is david my name is ben and we're joined by returning guest adam no it doesn't <laughs> you fucked it up adam. Oh, it doesn't, all right roll it, it again i understand why actually you know what you're right that should be how it goes what no no he's <laughs> not really a guest i don't yeah i'm not sure why i do that adam is part of dcm works now no way in, no way out congratulations um, you've been assimilated the reason that we brought you on adam is we needed some fresh blood because as we discussed last week at the end of the episode we're talking about a film that ben and i have talked about relentlessly for like we've pretty much seen a bunch pretty much since it's it like came david's out. favorite film i've made like four right. videos about it we've yeah. done like two podcasts so we kind of needed isn't, some fresh eyes on it isn't like your most viewed video on this it's my most viewed video and my favorite yeah. film so it kind of all checks out. It's like an intersection of things for me. Dude, that, you look really that, weird at the end of that video. I just want to say, which uh, with, with like the with like oh the God, full print wrapper on Star Wars shirt. How have you watched movies now? I buy DVDs because everything else scares me. Let me know what you think of the film uh, and that iconic scene. There's a great video that I'll link down below as well, uh, where some some uh, a great YouTube channel they deconstruct that scene and they look through it. It's fantastic. I'll, yeah. put in the, like, I'll put in the screenshot, but holy not, shit. It's not amazing. It was from a different era. The hair and the no beard, it's very weird. There's a video. Um, no, I, that was like, that wasn't no beard. That wasn't no beard. That was like, kind of not really able to commit. So kind of <laughs> shaves every five days. Kind of yeah. beard. I don't want to talk about it. It was bad. Out. Yeah. Uh, James says, Ben, you look dapper as fuck. Really? Yeah, man, oh, you do look. Thanks. You look pretty fucking fly right now. It's just a Polish. Um, <laughs> yeah, but man, you are a Polish. Should I tell you that much? All right, um, cool. So the uh, the thing we're alluding to, of course, is Five Hundred Days of Summer. Um, which all five hundred of them. If you've watched any of our content, you'll know that it's. You're not wearing the shirt. I'm not because I had to go to work. You I forgot. Bastard. I forgot. I'll wear, I was, it, the, I'll wear it. The it's post a show. very obscure shirt. I'll put it on the yeah. post show. Um, all right. So if you oh, do you actually still show, have the the shirt? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no, not the Star Wars shirt. The oh, no, the five hundred days. Of, he has a very obscure five hundred days Ooh, of summer I don't shirt. I think I still have the Star Wars. So, <laughs> five hundred days of summer is a two thousand nine film about love, directed by Mark Webb before his Spider Man days. Written by the award winning team of Scott Neustadter and Michael H. Weber, it tells the story of Summer Finn and Tom Hansen. Now, for those of you playing uh, trivia along at home, the reason we're doing this is it's been ten years since the film came out. Uh, Mark Webb uh, directed the Amazing Spider Man two. Ooh. Which is weird to think about after watching this film. That's unfortunate. Um, just a bit of fun of trivia. Spider-Man. So just something to think about as we go through. Um, <laughs> uh, we'll do the summary in a minute, but first of all, as we do every week, uh, let's just do a quick whip around. What did you guys think? Uh, come, obviously, Adam, you hadn't seen it before, so let's hear your thoughts first. Coming into it first time, you seem to be enjoying it. Tell me what you were vibing. Yeah, I saw it for the first time yesterday. Uh, yesterday, well, yesterday being six hours before the show. Um so I was like, classic. Look, don't you know? It's at least it wasn't. Yeah. At least it wasn't the the Infinity War episode where I just didn't watch the film. Yeah. 
I was saying, well, why did you ban? I was saying the one that <laughs> fucking rewatched it. No, nah, fuck that. So it's, the worst. I, I, it's not it's not worth a rewatch until the set until the like closing half comes out. You know what I mean? Um, Five Hundred Days of Summer was kind of weird because I don't I don't generally watch films like that. Generally, because I find them really fucking boring, mm-hmm. and this in a way, like really I, I did find it really fucking boring. Uh, at points, yeah, but I, I do think I do the editing kind of carried me through. I really enjoyed the editing; it was really cool. It's yeah. interesting you say that. Yeah, plus I mean, like because sorry, all the stuff with color as well that was really cool. Yeah, when you know to look for it, there's a lot of stuff going on in this film. It's really like a lot of nuance to it, a lot of technique involved. Um, yeah, I might say my thoughts still after Ben because I. This was a weird experience coming back to it for me. So what did you think coming back? Um, yeah, like it is an inherently boring film. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's there's no there's no real tension. There's yep. no explosions. <laughs> there's no explosions. There's no, there's no breaths um, on my screen. There's, there is a musical bit, but like that's neither here nor there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it's still it's still an engaging film just because I know it's almost like a like a Schadenfreude morbid curiosity because you know you know you know what's going to happen um because it it tells you literally like at the first like few minutes like you know you you get like day 300 like right at the end so you know that it's like okay this is they don't end up together but it's it's like i think just the presentation is so like on point that even when even at the points where you would probably where you're like most likely to shut off, which is those points where they do their transitions mm-hmm. from usually yeah. like something late to something early, which is just like 100% valence shift the whole time. Yep. They manage to, they make those cuts interestingly, interesting enough to where you're not like, oh, we're going back to that day. Like really? Like there's so much longer of this yep. film if we're only going like, we're like day 40, like there's 500 of these fucking things. They're snappy, they're quick, they're fun. Yeah. It was kind of, it was cool, like, the thing they were doing with the constant jumps back and forth in time, but it got really difficult to keep track of. We can talk about, listen, that's, I, so on, of, on, like, a yeah. second and third watching, that becomes, it, like, a non-issue. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? I've okay. seen this, like, yeah. ten times. Okay, listen, I, I'll, did you have any closing notes before I do my thing and then do the summary? Uh, I guess in, like like multiple viewing like watching it like this is like the fourth or fifth time mm-hmm. i've seen it like it's still i don't know it's still a good film i yeah. guess it still yeah. has the same problems though yeah exactly <laughs> um okay so i listen coming back to so i have a lot of history with this film mm. um obviously this is you in film form david well, here's the thing right so like i think <laughs> when i so this came out in 2009 which was grade nine for me yeah and i was at a point in my life where like i would have probably identified quite he- quite heavily with someone like tom tom yes. hansen right quite where, heavily quite heavily <laughs> somewhat heavily we, we actually talked about this in our um in our edge of 17 uh episode of the right. podcast where that character in that film the lead played by Haley steinfeld um i have a lot of in common with her and there's a big venn diagram with her and tom hansen um I was not a pleasant young man, um, and this film for me was like a. What I, the first time I saw it, I thought it was an interesting romance story, and the second time I saw it, it genuinely changed me as You're a like, person. Hang on, <laughs> like, like I was, I, yeah, the second viewing, I it like that that was just after a fairly significant breakup, and it genuinely changed me as like a human being. Like it was one of those node points where I, I could have gone one way in my life and I went the other direction. Um, so coming back to it now as a as a as an adult who I'm a bit different than I was then, but not too different. Um, 
there's some stuff in it that I picked up on that I never noticed before. Right. And that's kind of primarily what my reading is going to be about is those things that I haven't spoken about before. I'm happy for you guys to tell me about, you know, obviously you didn't go back and re-listen to the previous episodes like I did, but if there's stuff that you noticed that we've already talked about, I would love to rediscuss that. But there's some new stuff I have as well. Um, again, really enjoyed it. Had a great time with it. It's it's one of my favorite films. Soundtrack is slapping. Yeah. Um, I love it. Uh, okay, I'm going to quickly do the summary because it's pretty short. I'm not going to... I'm going to do it in... Chronological. Not chronological order, just okay. the order of the narrative. Okay. It's pretty quick. Um, Tom Hansen, a greeting card writer, meets Summer Finn, his boss's personal assistant. The two begin an on-again, off-again relationship across 500 days, which we experience out of sequence. Initially, Summer explains she isn't looking for a relationship, and Tom seemingly is looking for true love. The two experience the 500 days as a tumultuous, complex web of emotion and drama, told primarily from Tom's perspective by an omniscient narrator. Ultimately, Tom continues to ignore what Summer wants and drives them apart. We then learn Summer is engaged to someone she just met, and Tom must finally reconcile with himself. If he really wants to love someone, he has to love himself first. After a journey of self-discovery, Tom meets Autumn during a job interview for a role he actually wants. She is a girl who already exists in his world. Roll credits. When we initially talked about this film, Ben, um, one of the comments that you had is that that last scene, you were like, like it's like a pretty cringy thing the first time you watch it. We are like, oh, he's learned nothing. Yeah. But when you examine the the themes and, and the kind of stuff going on in the film, it's kind of nice. So you have this, and we... I don't want to rehash the content of the video, but yeah. the basic, the the ending primarily is saying, actually, this relationship could work because it's not trying to force a square peg in a round hole. He's not trying to, you know, date this girl who doesn't want a relationship, who is come from a completely different world than he is. She likes architecture. She's wearing the same colors that he wears. There's a lot of themes at play. I still stand by the it's fact still, that he hasn't changed. I don't think. Well, on on this viewing, I still I still stand by it. I yeah. think it's a. Uh, it does kind of alright say it as well, doesn't it? Like the narr- the, the narrator is saying some shit, and then he's like, "Ah, fuck it, I'm gonna do this, do it anyway." And the narrator's like, oh, "Okay, well, you can hijack my story, dickhead." Yeah, then the narrator is an interesting part of this film because he appears twice, three times at the start, at the end. There's one in the middle. It's one in the middle. Yeah. I don't, I don't put a lot of s- uh, strength Sorry, on what the narrator one, says. There's one after the reality expectations scene. Oh yes, yeah, you're all right. Which we'll um, come back to. Yeah, I don't. I don't put a lot of weight on the narrator, just because I don't think. Yeah. I think the film is too much in the perspective of Tom. That I don't think the narrator has much weight compared to the actions of Tom. I don't think there's like enough of the narrator to make it feel like it's actually a part of the movie. It just kind of feels like a weird jump to a different film we're not watching every time he comes in. Yeah, which. <sighs> I could defend until I die, but I won't do that right now. Um, again, like the I first... think, like we can get hung up on the ending, but like personally, I don't think. I think I still stand by the idea it's, that it yeah. is just like a. It's an. It's five hundred days of autumn. Yeah. Exactly. It's about yeah. the process. It's it. The the film is about the process of getting to the ending, not about the ending. Yeah. Um. So I wanted to start with talking about the nonlinearity. We can come back to the color later and kind of keep breeze through the color because I've talked about it to death, but. The nonlinearity was something that I was more fascinated by this time because I knew what was going to happen. Um, it and this because I've seen it so many times, it vibes less as a gimmick and more of an exploration of like what it's like to try and remember a relationship. Um, mm-hmm. When you've when you've had that kind of like five hundred days is quite a long time. When you try and remember it, nothing ever seems quite linear. Things bounce thematically in your head like 
you know, events are linked thematically together, not chronologically. You don't go, oh yeah, remember at the start of our relationship, you go, yeah, when we broke up and then, you know, well, the, that this, midpoint well, bit. When, when, yeah. when we broke up at that diner after we went looking at records and she liked Ringo Starr. Remember when we had that cool thing when she liked Ringo Starr and it, you kind of bounce yeah. thematically between memories. And, you know, memory, and I guess what I was thinking about when I was watching it this time is that memory isn't real. Um, it's this kind of sort of malleable weird thing that exists and the way we recall it's really weird um and there's several like non-real moments in this film obviously like some really obvious ones but um there's some weird strange cuts where like the scene gets penciled in with like a pencil which is weird like it gets colored in um the uh, you know the convenience of everything that summer does is set against brightly lit spaces um tom's friends have like a weird office moment where they talk directly to the camera about love at one point just got lucky um we met in elementary school in seventh grade we had the same class schedule and uh we just clicked you know love shit i don't know as long as she's cute and she's willing right <laughs> i'm flexible on the cute so 21 years she's the light that guides me home yes that is from one of our cards. No, someone else wrote it. Doesn't make it less true. And then you have that great comment during that scene, which is, she's better than the girl of my dreams because she's real. I think technically the, the, the girl of my dreams would probably have like a really bodacious rack, you know, uh, be different hair. Probably, you know, she'd probably be a little more into sports, but um, truthfully, Robin's Robin's better than the girl of my dreams. She's real. And I think the the way that the film's structured and the way that those kind of non-real elements come together mirror Tom's lack of attention to reality. He lives in this romantic fairy tale where he ignores Summer's clear intention to not want anything seriously. He constantly pretends things are going well, and he noti- like he fails to notice basically everything that's going on that's bad because he's so interested in being in love um it's just a curious technique to tell a story about the way that a certain portion of the male population tend to engage with relationships whether with women or otherwise um it's cool to see a film technique that then kind of it's it's a cool parallel to that i think um it gets across that meaning in a way that i didn't really think about the last few times i saw it but this time it kind of stuck out to me i guess well there's a lot of like illusions in the film to the fact that like Tom's a bit of a chameleon. So there's there's like the the big one like is the Like he can uh, change his color to like match with the Yeah, like when he gets stressed he turns red. I never no- um, I never noticed that. <laughs> but like like a like a like a social comedian, Adam. Do you know what oh, a social, social you mean comedian? Chameleon. Is comedian. You you're saying comedian, you mean I am chameleon. chameleon. I meant chameleon. Adam threw you Social off. chameleon. Yeah. Um Dude, like the Yeah. <laughs> So there's like the, the the taps joke, like "Honey, our taps are broken," which mm-hmm. she initially says, and then he tries to like joke at her yeah. about when they're at IKEA again, and she's like not into him. Um, there's also the line, sort of early when he, well, early in the days, but actually appears later in the film where she asks, she he's sort of asking her like, "Oh, what are we?" Blah blah blah. She's just like, "Oh, I don't want to put labels on it. Like, I'm just happy. Like, I'm happy. Like, things are good," which is pretty much like a direct quote to what he says yep. to her at the diner. And he and there's also 
he also uses that just after he punches the guy. Um, he also says that where he's like, we don't need to put a label on it, but like, I need some kind of confirmation from you. I shouldn't have done that. Done what? Gotten mad at you. I'm sorry. Look, we don't have to put a label on it. That's fine. I get it. But, you know, I just, I need some consistency. I need to know that you're not going to wake up in the morning and feel differently. Yeah. Of what we are. Like, the, he, you're right. He does keep mirroring her language. Um, which is interesting because again, that's what you do. One of my topics is Pixie Girl. Is Pixie Girl Dream Trope versus Tom Hansen the Fuckboy? Um, <laughs> Sorry, what? <laughs> Pixie Girl Dream Trope versus Tom Hansen the Fuckboy. Sorry, um, what? <laughs> I don't mean Fuckboy in little just, sense. It's just the note. Can we just get like one more time? Pixie Girl Dream Trope versus Tom Hansen the Fuckboy. Is that just like Scott Pilgrim versus the Wild? So I can explain a that. <laughs> That, dude, if this was, like, a prequel, that'd be tight. Um, <laughs> so, the Pixie Girl Dream Trap is basically something that was coined in 2007, which refers to the way that a lot of... And it's not explicitly about male or female characters or male or female writers, but it's a way that writers will create love interests. Can I... Sorry, continue, but I just realized they're always bisexual. I think Ben just learned why Stephen Moffat's writing isn't very good. Ah! <laughs> Okay, um, the Pixie Girl Dream Trap is basically Sorry. this idea in writing where writers have this problem where they tend to craft love interests in a way that is very non-real. So think about in something like Pitch Perfect, the male love interest in that is more or less a perfect dude. He's pretty handsome, but not too handsome. He's good at singing, but he's sensitive, but he also likes sport. Um, think about, uh, you know, every girl in pretty much every rom-com ever where the dude's, you know, lusting lost, afterwards. She's a bit aloof, and she has weird stuff in her home, and she has fairy lights, and she dresses in fun, weird clothing. I'm and fucking has, angry about this thing that I just hair. realized. Yeah, it's in every... It's I'm in every um, And this, this one was interesting, because it's, it's a deconstruction of that, but it's also a reinforcement. Because both parties in this film, so both Summer and Tom, Tom to obviously the most, the greater extent, but, you know, Summer to a lesser extent, um, treat each other like they're uh, that kind of trope, where they're just like this, this, the ideal of what they need at that moment. Um, right. So, because Tom, like, the, the conceit of the story is that Tom is unable to view any of Summer's complexity. Um, a good example is... Or a really cool nod that I thought was the morning after they first have sex, he checks himself out in the mirror and sees Han Solo, which is a reference to the deeply sexist relationship that Harrison Ford's characters have with women. Yikes! Yeah, that hasn't aged a, well. It, well, no, it's it, that's that's it's, the point of that reference. He's saying like they're all, he's going. This is a big is it, yikes. Is it like a self-aware? Yeah, it's a big yikes. He's saying because so Tom's checking himself out and he's seeing Harrison Ford. Yeah, right. And Harrison Ford throughout his career has had very predatory relationships yes, with I'm females on that. camera. Yes. So the film is saying. Tom is going, I look as good as Harrison Ford, suggesting that's an idol because it's trying to imply that kind of Tom has preyed upon her vulnerability in the previous evening's I mean, like, events. Because the first time I saw this film, that just came across as like, oh, they're just like tongue in cheek. They're just getting Harrison they Ford. They might be, but I... the In a, in a post-philosophy tube world, after that crazy video came out everyone went actually yeah harrison ford has which, some which rough the, roles which is the philosophy tube video 
I don't know if it was philosophy too, but there's a video by someone it. talking who basically just deconstructed. Oh, uh, that's pop culture detective. I think. Sorry, I've never yeah, heard of philosophy detective. tube before. I have like he's great. I have he's this image of like a big a big tube, like a big tube full of like yeah. Socrates and it bits. says philosophy. <laughs> yeah, it's just a kaleidoscope. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, in a post in a post that video world, at least for me, right? Yeah, it's it does. There's it is, a lot of it's it always comes been that. Different. Yeah, but it's yeah, like were they aware? Probably. Well, because that scene is very um. It's I've Mark, always it's Mark seen Webber. that he's worked at, he's worked with people that have worked on Star Wars. Like. Well, because I've always seen that I've always seen that scene as just being like, just sort of over the top, full of tropes, it's just so like going ham. Though with the rest, of, it should have been like a Beatle or like uh, Smith's band. Like it's so incongruous with the rest of the film. There's not a single oh, it reference. fits perfectly. But no, but I mean the sense that like it, the sorry the scene is perfect, but the reference is incongruous with the rest of the story's referential ideas it's referencing records and bands and, and this is just and this is star, star wars? wars like it you yeah. go what like it, it doesn't yeah. quite sit so that that was why i think that it might be very deliberate but again i could be overreading. they that, could just be like like jgl looks like a young harrison ford well he looks like apparently like a young bruce willis and i still disagree <laughs> with look i was gonna make that joke but yeah um <laughs> you know tom so i'll kind of breeze through this just to give you guys an idea and then i, w- I want you to tell me what you think of this so Still on the, think it's the Pixie Girl thing. Um, <laughs> Tom's biggest failure is his obsession with love at the expense of like actually pursuing his passion. So he's a brilliant architect, theoretically. Um, we don't know that for sure. But displaces so much of his... like He, li- he likes buildings. He he's likes buildings, which... He likes, he likes drawing buildings. Well, that doesn't make you a fucking architect. He has an architecture <laughs> degree, and it's I know like, it doesn't make you an architect. Oh, he has a degree? When When's that mentioned? In the film, several times, yeah. multiple times. Really? It's yeah. on his wall. It's, it's, wall it's mentioned. Shots and... It's actually mentioned once yeah. when he Jeez, meets some of them. I need to pay more attention to this shit. Yeah, it's like one line. You just. I was getting distracted you... by all the no, weird it, editing. And as, honestly, Adam, it probably isn't you. We've just seen this that many times. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, he displaces so much of his passion onto Summer that, like, both relationships, his working relationship with himself and his romantic relationship, kind of ultimately are doomed to fail. His vi- his vision for the future of the buildings mirrors his desire. Okay, so this is like I was overreading a bit on this one, but I'm gonna read it out anyway. Um, he he's a planner, so like he he envisions this future with built like these buildings that he never acts on, and he kind of has the same thing with Summer, where he kind of he treats her like an object that is gonna fulfill a future desire of his. Like it's she's not like gonna make him happy or whatever. And he seems to view his progress with Summer as a competition with other dudes as well. Where he wonders, there's even a point at one point where the narrator goes, Tom wonders if anyone has broken through to her, as, like, you know, got through the walls. Has anyone got as far as he has? For Tom Hansen, this was the night where everything changed. That wall Summer so often hid behind. A wall of distance, of space, of casual. That wall was slowly coming down. For here was Tom in her world, a place few had been invited to see with their own eyes. And here was Summer, wanting him there. Him, no one else. Have you ever been in a tornado? No. <laughs> you know, but That's at no point do you... That's a fucking video game. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. Tom doesn't give a shit about her. He's just like, oh, this is like uncharted territory. Maybe this is the... The trick to make her want to fall in love with me kind well, of Well, yeah, because there's the scene where he, like, asks her about her previous relationships, which is where we get the dumb pixie girl bisexuality mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, trope. 
which I've just oh, realized just is now a thing. Oh, yeah. Don't, um, don't watch anything Stephen Moffat's made that has a female character oh, that's no. smart. They're all bisexual for some reason. The space wizards. He thinks that to be smart, you have to be bisexual as if that gives you magic. It does give you magic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah like, no, it does, it does give you magic, though. You, you are aware of that, right? Wait, is Sherlock the superpower? bisexual? No. He's well. He's he does have magic, so he's coded gay by other characters. No, they, well, he's they coded no, gay. He's not coded of gay. They gay bait him. That's different. They gay bait him. Um, right. it's just as bad. That's just interesting that Moffat only goes in one direction. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Sorry. Continue, um, Ben. <laughs> yeah, that scene where like he asks her of like her previous relationships, and he has like this mental image of them all being like these like very typical dudes. Well, not typical dudes. Typical? But, like, peak, nah. Like peak uh, dudes. I meant. Peak. I meant. Sorry. I meant typical rom com like jokes. <laughs> Like, yeah, so, like, I, what sorry. he sees is, like, Dudes pink. is what I meant. Like, yeah, dudes. Yeah. Where, and, like, the, like, the, the puma, where he's, like, yeah, he's definitely just got a big penis. And it's, like, there's nothing, <clears throat> nothing she says implies he has a big penis. But he's looking for competition. So yeah, he's, 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 like, looking- he's sort of, like, comparing himself to these. He's saying, I'm better than them. Yeah, because I, because I, I, I'm not them. Yeah. It's again. It's it's you do that when you're young. It's a bit and you you kind of self masturbatory. Well, because I, th- I think <laughs> masturbation is inherently self. <laughs> but did well, you yeah, just say that? Tautology. Self masturbatory. Yeah. Self masturbatory. Um. No, but you're <laughs> right though. It's Twitter bio. <laughs> that could be actually. Um. That could be like my life motto. Yeah. Um. But you know, the, Tom is so averse to decision making at all that his back wall is a fucking like blackboard. What do you call it? Like is it a chalkboard? Sorry. His, the yeah, whole back wall is a whiteboard, David. It's all right. This is. Because <laughs> tr- I, I whiteboard is the white one. It's I wrote down blackboard. I meant chalkboard. Chalkboard or blackboard. Um, yeah. But like, th- like there's a lot like things in this film that just all tie his character together to being this dude that never makes a decision and then complains when nothing ever changes. You know, he wishes. There's even there's this real fuckboy moment, which is why I called him a fuckboy in my in my title, where they're at the bar and he's saying to Summer oh, you know what are women dressing like now with the big sunglasses and the short skirts the 60s that was where they were it was at Boy, all you care about is fucking you're such a oh, what say it fuck boy what a fuck boy and you just what go oh that's really rough but then if you if you were ever kind of like that you remember thinking that's a thing to think so that same scene when uh the we're just sort of cutting through this film that same scene where I'm, still, the, I'm working through my dot where the dude bro the dude bro comes up and starts chatting that's the same scene same scene yeah, starts chatting up that. summer he so it, there's like a lot of interesting parts to that scene so there's she's like he's like oh let me buy you a drink she's like no no thanks like she's being very confident in her ability to sort of Get this diffuse guy to the situation off. yeah um and obviously the guy's pushing really hard and being like a jerk to tom as well but and is that a parallel for the whole film no no and the, and the oh yeah and the only time where to, when tom sort of like actually like does anything is when he's sort of just given the opportunity to throw a punch yeah like before then like there's like in like he there's physically no way he can punch the dude because of where he is you know just the the What's the foot? The, blo- the blocking? The blocking of the scene. Yeah, the blocking of the scene he's, prevents him. He's on him. the other side of summer. Yeah, the yeah. blocking of the scene prevents him from clocking this guy. And the moment the guy steps away and then throws, like, not even, like, not even, like, a big zinger, just, like, a generic, just a, another one. Like a DJ, just a spicy DJ Colin on the yeah. side. Yeah, He's just like, all right, this is the opportunity. I'm going to suck him. And he, he throws a punch and then sort of just stands there as if, like, job done. Yeah. And it gets walloped. Because... But- but competition 
defeated. But then at New the goal, end, the acquire woman. <laughs> but then at the end, it's really into, uh, the next scene when they're at her place. Her sort of annoyance. She's annoyed at him for it's like, why did you do that? And he's like, well, because because I had to. And she's like, she's she says I didn't ask you to. Yeah, and it's interesting because I must have like miss like misremembered this film or I've seen another film where the same kind of scene happens where it's like, you know, she's being harassed and he kind of like stays off to the side and he doesn't really do anything. And he he may also get punched. It may just be the same scene. But instead of the girl being like, oh, like, why did you punch him? She's like, oh, why didn't you stand up for me? Like, why weren't you on my side? I don't know what film it is. You're but remembering I- 10 Things I Hate About You. I, like I have never seen that. Punching a person, uh, but, really sure, it but like it's it's a it's different because I was expecting I that see to the happen. Scene you mean in my yeah, head. I was expecting that her to be like, "Why weren't you like? Why didn't you stand up for me?" Blah blah blah. Because I've seen that before, and that's like what you expect. Mm-hmm. But the film was like, "No, no, 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 no." Him like he doesn't need to stand up to her because he doesn't need to stand up for her because he doesn't need to because she's pretty capable. He just yeah. has to not punch him and try to be some macho guy he isn't. Exactly, and because again, like he, because he doesn't know who he is, because he's in that, f- he's still somehow in that flux, like because his life has been stalled for so long because he's been writing greeting cards, <laughs> which again, that, the greeting card company is the funniest shit in this film. Mm. It's his Phil Coulson does a great job in this, and I'm oh, this, glad oh, this dude, film is like, I couldn't, I couldn't get past like thinking it was it was Coulson, like in like <laughs> he was, a he was, secret agent role. <laughs> I, was in this I couldn't before Avengers, so I did. I yeah. couldn't like, disconnect. Imagine there's Adam, so many people Adam, in this film who are like in other Adam, things now, and you're just like, I can't. Imagine the last ten years of Avengers, and all I see is the guy from Five Hundred Days. I have the opposite. Problem. Oh no! Yeah. Um, when oh, Paul Coulson died, I was like, it's fine. You can worse. store our greeting cards. Um, yeah, it is way worse. But I, so I had an interesting thought experiment because this film is very much. I think a lot of people, a lot of dudes, strike this guy. A lot of boys take. Uh, they find this film a little bit. Like they, you know, they react to it in a, kind of a negative way. I don't necessarily think the film is saying. Uh, I don't think it's saying anything about gender specifically, but it just happens to be the most common case where this happens because men are conditioned in a certain way. However, I had this thought experiment when I was watching it this time, where I was like, imagine the roles are reversed. Summer is kind of in Tom's position where she really wants a relationship, and the dude's like, no, nah, man, I'm, I don't do that. I'm a free agent or whatever. I don't want a relationship. Then, if you're watching that in a rom-com, she'd be suddenly very sympathetic. Um, Fifty Shades of Grey! Yeah. And for some reason, that's you a sympathetic character. You guys actually fucking watch those films? Uh, I've read the books. I haven't no, watched the I films. haven't watched them. Um, I've seen um, other people talk about them yeah. at length. Someone gets fingered in a lift. It's a lot. Um, oh, that sounds yeah. exciting. It's Charlie right. Tango. You'd think it would be, but the way it's written, it's super not. Um, Safe. Oh, okay. Safest in its class. Yeah. yeah. Um... So during the climax of the conflict, when Tom... I actually have this note as well. Um, when she turns back up to his place, Ooh. there's an interesting scene that happens. Okay, so I want to talk about this because this is the... This I hate is the that mo- scene so much. Well, this is the moment when I was like, oh, they're not just playing fucking softball here. They're not being like... You know, because in any other film, she would be like, go home, and it would cut to the next day or whatever. Same night, she goes back to his place and apologizes for blowing up at him. I don't know what like th- th- that I is. That. I hate that so much. But, and you should. That's it. the whole point of that scene. Is I hate it, it. It should make your skin crawl. You're like, oh, like she shouldn't apologize. But for what, like he has done. Like there's something that's happened here. Whether it's like a societal thing or their relationship or his kind of whatever it is, she shouldn't go back. But she does, and you, it feels gross and weird. 
I, it I, feels I, gross I, and weird because it is <clears throat> gross and weird. Like that's but, like the worst part of the film. Like yeah. this is the lowest point in this. Like I have problems with how. Okay, so I have I have issues with how this film, and it, it kind of comes from the fact that it's all from Tom's perspective, and there could be like an element of like unreliable narrator in it. That might be the ironically point. because there isn't narrator. Could, could be the point because and- the whole film is presented in a way where like summer is like the problem where like oh she she never says what she want like she never says what she thinks she's always like she's all manipulative and and like she's doing these things like behind his back and like she's the villain and that's why i don't that's why i still stand by the ending being just a repetition of the same because there's no there's no point in the ending where it's he's like he's sort of seeing it from her perspective from autumn's perspective there's no like the there's no resolution there's no like lesson learned there's no well it's not change. that it's that there's this whole film like sits inside tom's head and yeah. yeah there's like there's no change in how that's presented at the end like it's still very you, much okay if 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 it did and there was a lesson learned you would probably stop thinking about it my argument for why i like because i agree i i don't think he necessarily changes i think the film is trying to signal that whilst it's the start of a new cycle, you, the person viewing it, have the opportunity to not sort of be stuck in that because yeah. you, you've now observed this and you can learn from it. Whether you are in the situation of Tom or in the situa- situation of Summer, that pivotal scene where she comes back in, which again, I tell it's it is the it's the the climax of the it's story. The lowest themes. point of the film, <laughs> and it is, and it because you. But it's, it, it feels like a triumph for Tom. But like, it's not. It really isn't. But, but, but then I mean, for, it's a triumph but, for Tom, but, but for it's not Tom, a triumph for the viewer because it sucks. And you go, yeah, I hate you it. Go, Summer, what are you doing? But then at the same time, my my counter argument to that is that he's also a little bit right when he confronts her, and you know, at the end when he goes, you just kind of do whatever you want, don't you? She's like, yeah, I do what I feel like. And there's an element to that where he's a bit right, where she is so. Uh, look, she's. I, I'm trying to think about it. To, to say this in a way that isn't like I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with the way she behaves but there is a lack of empathy that she displays as a character that Tom ha- Tom is very strong on the sympathy scale and very weak on the empathy scale she's very strong on the empathy weak on the sympathy uh, uh, but there's a way that she behaves sometimes that makes it clear that she's not interested in Tom's feelings well, and they're not dating but at the same time there's like she just kind of does do what she, she does what she wants but never really considers what the kind of ramification might be and i'm not saying that you need to do that you can do whatever you want in your life that's fine you do you you'd be happy that's all good and fine but you have to be aware that it doesn't matter what you're doing it does affect those around you so this is kind of why i stand around the idea that it's so it's tom's perspective that's pretty obvious and that he's somewhat unreliable because assuming that the the like the writers and the directors of this film weren't just writing a really bad female character which like let's just assume the best let's assume that they knew what they were doing ben there's a top hat with an apple on top of it in a shot in her apartment it's definitely not an accident okay it's the 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 way that they present her from tom's perspective as being this sort of like yeah like doing what she wants like semi sort of like manipulative and like the villain like that's why I kind of feel like that's what they were trying to set up like with Tom being the narrator and not entirely reliable because it's never 
Like, no one's that. It's always just a case if you don't have the whole story. Right, but isn't that the point of the film? Like, because you know what I was talking about at the start with, like, the, the timeline and stuff? Even there's right. little things like the clothes they wear. Tom is always in a tie. No one lives like that. <laughs> Summer's always in, like, summery dresses. But he always no, thinks But that he remembers he had a tie. it like that. Because right. that's how you remember yourself. Okay. You remember yourself in, like, a So that's clothes. the unreliable narrator aspect, is yes. that it's all. It's, it's all. It's a memory of the past. Or it's, it's at least a recollection, either f- from Tom or, like, I think it's supposed to be nebulous in that way. Because, again, there's some conveniences in this that are, like, ridiculous. Like, the expectations versus reality scene, which, again, is one of the best scenes in cinema, probably. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, but there's stuff in that that doesn't make sense. Like, Tom, they, when they make out, it's perfectly framed against a dark curtain and a cool industrial lamp with Summer's, like, bright wallpaper behind it. It's perfectly framed where Tom is exactly in the middle of the of the curtain and she's against the wallpaper. Right. And they make out. And then the other shot is him making tequila or whatever. Where he goes on a date with a red-headed girl. Oh. And she literally says everything that you're thinking. Yeah. Well, she's like, well, it sounds like she said that she didn't want a relationship. And he's like, well, fuck this. That's bullshit. I'm not interested in anyone else. She was the one. She's like, well, it sounds like she was pretty upfront with you. Like, you're kind of being ridiculous. Yeah. She just says everything you're thinking. Yeah. And that's kind of cool. Like, I I think including that, that audience insert always gives you that out where you're like, okay, the filmmakers are at least aware of this. And then she just kind of leaves. Yeah, yeah. As you're like, yeah. That checks out. And Tom's like, yeah. <laughs> Tom's like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, um, that's fair. Was there any sort of... Because I don't want to... We're kind of t- running out of time a little bit. Um, I can breeze through the color stuff, but Adam, kind of, do you want to touch on anything that, that you have? Um, it... Like, going off of the off of the redhead, it was like one in a really weird series of awkward and disorienting fourth wall bricks. Because when it... When it comes to, I don't know if this is for everybody, but when it comes to like watching a TV show or watching a movie, when they when they do something, you know, when they do they do something smart or they do something funny that's like you know that's meta, I obsess over it and I get distracted by it. So like the scene where he's lying on his the scene where he's lying on his bed with the tennis ball and he's hitting it against the ground. And it and it and it goes into the beat. That was really fucking cool. That was really good. That would work really well in a YouTube vlog. <laughs> that had me. I was With obsessing brain, like, over that. Really... I was obsessing uh, over that for like the next seven minutes of the film, and I didn't get amazing. any of the next seven minutes. They, and it's they, like that's really cool. That's have... a really cool little thing this they did. A, this Adam, is not it's... a good film if you get distracted by things like that because this film is nothing but things like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They didn't have vlogs back then. I feel like I missed so much of it. And it was like, I even though the expectation versus reality scene was really cool in that transition at the end, had my fucking jaw on the floor. Uh, <laughs> a split screen and text on the screen in a film looks bad, is jarring, and will never work. You're out of your fucking mind. I think, if, again, if you watch it a second time, when you have sort of when you when you know what to expect from both of the from each split God, screen, so you sort of realize how well they compartmentalize the important bits. So on like on like a second and third viewing, the the way that they time everything, where some things will happen in sync because they're not really important, you can just kind of glaze over it, and then they'll sort of desync different elements of. 
So you're meant to watch one of them at a time. Exactly. And the, the film tries quite hard to sort of lead you to what one you should look at. On second and third viewing, it works perfectly. Mm-hmm. On a first viewing, it is distracting and really hard to watch. Because it kind of comes out... Yeah, but that, that's, yeah. Not a, that's, not a, that's not a good device then, if on the oh, first yeah. viewing... Of the Adam, I don't know. I feel like a device <laughs> that on the first viewing is crap, but on the second and third viewing literally becomes like a cinema... Like, like an editing and like cinema masterpiece i don't know i feel like no, it's, it's, worth it's really that cool it's just watching. it's just you don't i i don't know where to look you am i look well now you know you've seen it once, like you it know should be it now. should be made clear it should be made clear time. to you like it should be made clear to you this is the one you look at and this is the one you glance over at occasionally it, okay, but it the film makes it like one frame more, should be yeah. bigger, or one frame should be like lit in a way more it's interesting, not, colorful yeah. way. It's like, not, I don't no, know. It's, it's, no, not they, it's, it's more subtle than that. It's it's things like you know when they don't want you to watch one, the dialogue and that will fade away slightly and will kind of drone yeah. it'll, on, it'll and be the other long, one will start dialogue. Yeah. Or it'll so be a long zooms with nothing happening. Or it'll just be them making out. You understand? Okay, they're just going to be making out for a bit. So you watch them make you watch them make some tequila. It's stuff like that which. Yeah, it'll be like long shots. You're like, okay, that's a long shot. Pay attention to the other one. You, there are clues. It's, it, it is hard on the first watch. It's also hard for us to remember what it's like to see it at first. Yeah, time. I don't remember but, the first time watching this film. But again, I like it's one of those things that when there's a lot of videos about that expectation versus reality, because it is just no, like it's not. No one had did it. No one had did it. No one had done it in that way before, <laughs> to that effect before. And then no one had done it in a way that when you go back to it again and again, you get like every time I watch that scene, I get more from it because yeah. there are so many little things like they shot the sequence with Tom alone about an hour later the next day. So the lighting's slightly different and the sun setting at a slightly different angle. So it's a bit darker. And like they did some right. kind of cool things with that sequencing of how they shot all that stuff. That is so fascinating. Um, but it, I just yeah, like I love it. I get I get why it's disorientating. I totally agree with you, Adam. However, Agreed However, to, I disagree. Agree to disagree. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's I just fuck out of this film. Um, do you have any closing thoughts, Ben? Uh, it's an interesting one. Yeah. Um, I I I still think it has problems, but I think overall it's it's a good film. We'll come back to it in ten years. Yeah, we'll um, come back to another ten years. Yeah, I yeah, like coming back to it now. Um, I'm a much different person than I was the other few times I've watched it. Still, just yeah, a lot of this works really well for me. Um the more when you think about the kind of layering of that non-linearity and that unreliable narration it has like a lot of Edgar Allan Poe stuff going on which I love a lot um really enjoy it obviously big fanboy like it's, it's I'm gonna keep talking about it till I die probably um yeah I don't think I have anything especially insightful to add to wrap it up we've kind of talked no. about it all um do you, have, do you guys have any recommendations for this week what have you been checking out or listening to or watching uh I'm gonna go home and bop 98 kids in Tetris that's yeah, my dude. plan today. Ben's Ben's oh, playing Tetris Battle Royale. Dude, Tetris. 99. Dude, does it have like a does it have like a co op mode? No, sorry. <laughs> you can't. You're not. You're not getting carried by my Tetris skills. Sorry, boy. Dude, you're I, need, to I need to get carried by your. Th- I'm. I'm. I'm so bad. I love Tetris, I'm, but I'm so I've, bad at it. I've played so much fucking Tetris. This is what I've been <laughs> waiting for. This is, this is my time to it's, it's just like, bop some kids in Tetris. I was. I was I'm in a so call with excited. some dudes. I was in a call with I'm some dudes so when it excited. came out, and it was like there was no other game announced in that direct. Then like oh. Tetris that made us 
freak out so I much. You were like screaming, so... dude. It's, it's at Battle Royale, man. It's at home on my Switch being downloaded right now, and I just fucking need it. Hey, boy, that Switch, it's cooking. Just... I've been waiting for a good Tetris. So I've been waiting for a good Tetris game because Poyo Poyo Tetris. I don't give a fuck. I don't want to play that Poyo Poyo shit. I just want Tetris. Who had time for that? Isn't there like the VR were... one they did on PlayStation? Yeah, Tetris Effect. It's really good. That um, actually looks really but, dope. But they, they were like, they were like Ben, Ben, Benjamin. Yeah, in the Nintendo you. Direct, they the said, yeah. ben, like, ben, this one is It's for you. your time. It's for you, fam. <laughs> you didn't realize you wanted a, a Tetris Battle Royale. Here's Tetris Battle Royale. <laughs> You're Apex welcome. Legends, get it out of here. Don't care about it. Fortnite, Fortnite nah. Push. Old news. Pomegabas, get that. Garbage in the trash can. I want some of that. That's not Sapphire, by the way. Get that garbage in the trash can. Put it in my gobble. That's going to be my next week's recommendation as well. So, like, you don't have to watch the next week's episode. You, you, I'll, cut that, I'll, cut, I'll cut that part of your segment out in the end. In the end of it would just be uh, me yeah. going like, woo! Yeah. Um, That's it. Uh, Adam, what have you been peeping, checking out? What have I been peeping? Um... I watched the I watched a bit of the new series of Big Mouth. It's not Fuck me. It's not amazing. Is season two? Big season mouth. three? Is there oh. a new one? Season two. Season two yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, it's fine. I watched the whole thing. It's fine. It's all right. It's the fuck is wrong it's with good you for, guys. It's good while I'm editing. It's Jeez. good while you're editing. It's good while you're editing. Like I like the. I'm just like, don't do this. It's don't. I like the. It's, actually, it's not bad. I like the I animation style. There's a lot of really creative stuff with it. You so. like the animation style? I don't understand you two. You're I wrong. fucking hate that show so much. I'm, I'm like, not even. I'm not even. I'm not even saying it's great, dude. I'm literally. I'm literally yeah, just I saying fucking it's all right. That show. It, it's fine. I mean, I've also the, been watching. I hate it. The key thing is recommend. So, like, yeah. you recommend it, like, because no, no, I recommend not watching so it. Doesn't it. quite fit in the segment, does it? It's fine. It's look. It's fine, and it's something I've been no. watching. So sure. that's not the same thing Whatever. as. Do you have any recommendations? No. Okay, Let's recommendation. Continue. Big big book. No, big re- <laughs> Facebook. No. Um, I don't. I don't recommend Ben's, that one. Ben's doing, trying to end the doing, show. Doing a bit. It's a just, it's a blue hole of despair and pain that just sucks out your soul. Just make your recommendations so we can finish. Recommendation. I've been watching this very very good television program. It's like a sci-fi horror thing. It's called Night Flyers. It has a has a lot of different things going on, but I think it does yeah, it very, great. very well. And it, doing, it, an it, doing an episode about it. It's in very spooky. I know, I saw. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm very, ex- I'm very excited like about that. It's okay. really, it's really alien. good. All right, good. Yeah. Yeah. Big mouth, so. yeah. Um, I... Facebook. Oh, wait, no. no what? Wait, what? Come on, dude. Don't be stomping on my <laughs> thing. No, I got fun. Go ahead, I, I've been rewatching Mad Men still. What do you think? What do you think I've been doing? Facebook. At DC and Works. YouTube. YouTube.com. You gotta let me finish it first. Twitter. YouTube. YouTube.com slash DCMworks. Twitter. At DCM underscore works. Uh, Patreon. Patreon.com slash DCMworks. Kick you off uh-huh. the fucking show you if you do it. that ever again. <laughs> ben will Ben has fought men for less. Um uh, if you subscribe uh, Patreon starts at three dollars a month. I want to shout out our most recent Patreons. Shout out to Yoop Kumans for being our top patron. Shout out to Cameron for joining us this week. Thanks guys. We appreciate you helping support the show. And you get access to a bunch of extra content. Uh, our spooky interface series, part eight's coming out soon. Um you get access to over sixty two hours. I just did the math the other week of behind the scenes podcast content. Sixty two. It's a lot. That is um, a lot of behind-the-scenes podcast yeah. content. Our and where can you find War. that behind-the-scenes podcast content? Our ro- it's on the screen right now. Our Road to Infinity War cool. podcast, uh, where we watch every single Marvel film in the lead-up to Infinity War, and we lose our minds a bit. Um, 
patreon.com slash dcmworks. And you can also vote on what we should cover. At the start of each month, we put up a master post where you can suggest books to cover on Book Club, films, TV, games, anything you want to see us cover. You can do it there. Otherwise, if you want to follow us individually, <coughs> I'm at DCMWHPI. I'm at Little Citrus. I'm at Dar Adlu. We'll see you guys next week. Auf Wiedersehen. Uh-huh.